Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello again and welcome to another Ominous Origins podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for everything pop culture horror-related. If you're interested in reviews, interviews, retrospective, introspectives, top ten list, whatever you want, they have it. Go check out what they're offering right now while you're listening to this episode of the podcast. Before we get started, I do want to read to you a new review. This one comes from us from the United States from HJL34. And it says, love it, and it's a five-star review. So thank you very much for that. This person writes... I've only listened to a few episodes, but I love it. Good find if you have a short attention span. Side note, your episode's on Lake Lanier, as I say it. Uh, I'm from Georgia, and it's pronounced Lanier, but my pronunciation made for a good laugh. See, that's the I-E-R ending, and in Canada that is, like, yay. Like, yay, right? Like Lake Lanier. That's just the colloquialism, I guess. But since this person is from Georgia, Lanier makes more sense. So if I ever do another episode on Lake Lanier, I will pronounce it properly. But thank you nonetheless for the review and the correction. Now on to the podcast itself. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Today we're talking about a cryptid that I have been fascinated with since I was just a child. Besides Bigfoot, this one is one of the most well-known, I would say, in the United States. And it's also what caught my attention and was one of the introductions into this world of the supernatural for me. It spawned a hockey team name, and it's my favorite hockey team. Surprise, surprise. We're talking about the Jersey Devil. Now, the Jersey Devil has a huge, long history and a few different backstories that go along with it, and we'll cover a couple of them today. But first, let's just talk about the location. As I said, it comes from New Jersey, one of the eastern seaboard states. And primarily, this myth, this legend, this cryptid, takes place, or is from, the Pine Barrens, which in and of itself has a very ominous name. Not to plug the Ominous Origins podcast there or anything, it just fits. The Pine Barrens is the largest remaining example of the Atlantic coastal Pine Barren ecosystem stretching across more than seven counties of New Jersey. It's huge. I'm looking at a map of it right now, and it is massive. It is approximately 1.1 million acres. That is a long stretch of land. That is a large chunk of the state as well. And just like the West Coast forests with the giant trees that they have out there, Bigfoot could be hiding there just as well as the Jersey Devil could be hiding in this last-of-its-kind ecosystem. Now, on the internet, there are no shortages of sources for the Jersey Devil. So, I'm going to take a look at a few. This one comes from the AtlanticCounty.org, which is a site that kind of dedicates its time and energy to the history of the Atlantic regions. It has here, the Jersey Devil is the story 
of an authentic folk legend. It is as varied as the number of people who have claimed to have seen or heard from him. Over 250 years, tales have circulated about the nocturnal ramblings of a creature emerging from the mists of a lonely, desolate marsh. As interest in the supernatural has grown, tales of the Jersey Devil have grown alongside it to blend folk belief with South Jersey history. It goes on to say that the Devil in the Pines, to understand the legend of the Jersey Devil, you must first understand its birthplace. It is a remote region extending 1,700 square miles across southeastern New Jersey. It is actually a giant aquifer with dense strands of white cedar. Inside, the air is calm, still, and cool. The shadows heavy. The cedar stands throughout the swamp, stain the streams with red tannin. One area of stunted trees is called the Pygmy Forest. While many consider it a barren wilderness, 27 varieties of orchards grow there. In the early days, travel was difficult, for the cedar swamps were great obstacles. Some roads are old Indian trails. Others are old stagecoach roads. Some roads are paved, others are sandy. Roads lead to places named Hog Wallow, Double Trouble, Suey Place, and Mary Ann Furnace. These names date back to the colonial times when settlers first came to New Jersey. The birthplace of the Jersey Devil is called the Pine Barrens. One of the most famous stories tells of a place called Leeds Point. On a stormy night in 1735, a Quaker woman gave birth to a child during a thunderstorm. The room flickered with candlelight. The wind howled. Some believed her to be a sorceress. The impoverished woman, known as Mother Leeds, was believed to have many other children, as many as twelve. Some say the child was born deformed. Some say she cursed the child because of her dire straits. Other accounts say the child was born normal and took on odd characteristics later. Characteristics such as an elongated body with winged shoulders, a large horse-like head, cloven feet, and a thick tail. According to legend, the child was confined until it made its escape, either out of the cellar door or up the chimney. Either way, the Jersey Devil had been born. Now let's look into the Leeds family just a little bit more and see what they have to offer, a little bit more insight into the history of this most famous of origin stories. During my research of this, I found out that the Leeds family is only a portion of what the Jersey Devil is. More so the name Leeds, and maybe even places, play a bigger part than perhaps the family and the mother Leeds tradition states. Now, prior to the early 1900s and before the series of reported sightings of the creature during 1909, the Jersey Devil was referred to as the Leeds Devil or the Devil of Leeds, either in connection with the local Leeds family or the eponymous southern New Jersey town Leeds Point. Mother Leeds has been identified by some as Deborah Leeds, on the ground that Deborah Leeds' husband, Jaffet Leeds, named 12 children in the will he wrote during 1736, which is compatible with the legend. Deborah and Jaffet Leeds also lived in Leeds Point, the section which is now known as Atlantic County, New Jersey, which is commonly the location of the Jersey Devil's story. Brian Regal, a historian of science at Keene University, theorizes that the story of Mother Leeds, rather than being based on a single historical person, originated from colonial southern New Jersey religio-political disputes that became the subject of folklore and gossip amongst the local people. 
According to Regal, folk legends concerning these historical disputes evolved through the years and ultimately resulted in the modern popularization of the legend of the Jersey Devil during the early 20th century. Regal contends that the colonial-era political intrigue involving early New Jersey politicians Benjamin Franklin and Franklin's rival, Almanac publisher Daniel Leeds, resulted in the Leeds family being described as quote-unquote monsters. And it was Daniel Leeds' negative description as the Leeds Devil, rather than any actual creature that created the later legend of the Jersey Devil. Much like the mother Leeds of the Jersey Devil myth, Leeds' third wife had given birth to nine children, a large number of children even for the time. Leeds' second wife and first daughter had both died during childbirth. As a royal surveyor with strong allegiance to the British crown, Leeds had also surveyed and acquired land in the Egg Harbor area located within the Pine Barrens. The land was inherited by Leeds' son and family is now known as Leeds Point, one of these areas in the Pine Barrens currently most associated with the Jersey Devil legend and alleged Jersey Devil sightings. Starting in the 17th century, English Quakers established settlements in southern New Jersey, the region in which the Pine Barrens are located. Daniel Leeds, a Quaker and prominent person of pre-revolution colonial southern New Jersey, became ostracized by his Quaker congregation after his 1687 publication of almanacs containing astrological symbols and writings. Leeds' fellow Quakers deemed the astrology in these almanacs as too pagan or blasphemous and the almanacs were censored and destroyed by the local Quaker community. In response to and in spite of this censorship, Leeds continued to publish even more esoteric astrological Christian writings and became increasingly fascinated with Christian occultism, Christian mysticism, cosmology, demonology, and angelology, and of course natural magic. In the 1690s, after his almanacs and writings were farther censored and Blasphemous by the Philadelphia Quaker meeting, Leeds continued to dispute with the Quaker community by converting to Angelicism and publishing anti-Quaker tracts, criticizing Quaker theology and accusing Quakers of being anti-monarchists. In the ensuing dispute between Leeds and the Southern New Jersey Quakers over Leeds' accusations, Leeds was endorsed by the much-maligned British royal governor of New Jersey, Lord Cornbury despised among the Quaker communities. Leeds also worked as a counselor to Lord Cornbury for a time. Considering Leeds as a traitor for aiding the Crown in rejecting Quaker beliefs, the Quaker Burlington meeting of Southern New Jersey subsequently dismissed Leeds as evil. During 1716, Daniel Leeds' son, Titan Leeds, inherited his father's almanac business, which continued to use astrological content and eventually competed with Benjamin Franklin's popular Poor Richard's Almanac. The competition between the two men intensified when, during 1733, Franklin satirically used astrology in his almanac to predict Titan's Leeds' death on October of that same year. Though Franklin's prediction was intended as a joke at his competitor's expense and a means to boost almanac sales, Titan Leeds was apparently offended at the death prediction, publishing a public admonition of Franklin as a fool and a liar. In a published response, Franklin mocked Titan Leeds' outrage and humorously suggested that, in fact, Titan Leeds had died in accordance with the earlier prediction and was thus writing his almanacs as a ghost, resurrected from the grave to haunt and torment Franklin. 
Franklin continued to jokingly refer to Titan Leeds as a ghost, even after Titan Leeds' actual death in 1738. Daniel Leeds' blasphemous and occultist reputation for his pro-monarchy stance in the largely anti-monarchist colonial south of New Jersey, combined with Benjamin Franklin's later ongoing description of Titan Leeds as a ghost, may have originated or even contributed to the local legend of the so-called Leeds Devil lurking in the Pine Barrens. I want to take a moment here to just say that suggestion and words have power, especially somebody as powerful as Franklin in that time. Rumors can spread and people in that time were very susceptible to very strange beliefs, and it's not unheard of that something like this would happen. Or maybe he did have the power to summon the ghost of the Leeds family, specifically Daniel, or even Titan Leeds. It's hard to say. Maybe it was a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I digress. Continuing on, during 1728, Titan Leeds began to include the Leeds family crest on the masthead of his almanacs. The Leeds family crest depicted a wyvern, a bat-winged dragon-like legendary creature that stands upright on two clawed feet. Regal notes that the wyvern on the Leeds family crest is reminiscent of the popular description of the Jersey Devil. The inclusion of this family crest on the Leeds almanacs may have further contributed to the Leeds family's poor reputation among locals and possibly influenced the popular description of the Leeds Devil or the Jersey Devil. The fearsome appearance of the Crest's wyvern and the increasing animosity among local South Jersey residents towards royalty, aristocracy, and nobility with whom family crests are associated may have helped facilitate the legend of the Leeds Devil and the association of the Leeds family with devils and monsters. Regal also notes that by the late 1700s and early 1800s, the Leeds Devil had become a legendary monster or ghost story in the southern New Jersey area. Into the early to mid-19th century, stories continued to circulate in southern New Jersey of the Leeds Devil, a, quote, monster wandering the Pine Barrens, unquote. An oral tradition of the Leeds Devil, monster, ghost stories, subsequently became established in the Pine Barrens area. Although the Leeds Devil legend had apparently existed since the 18th century, Regal states that the more modern description of the devil, as well as the now pervasive Jersey Devil name, first became truly standardized in current form during the early 20th century. Here's an excerpt. During the pre-revolutionary period, the Leeds family, who called the Pine Barrens home, soured its relationship with the Quaker majority. The Quakers saw no hurry to give their former fellow religionist an easy time in circles of gossip. His wives had all died, as had several children. His son Titan stood accused by Benjamin Franklin of being a ghost. The family crest had winged dragons on it. In a time when thoughts of independence were being born, these issues made the Leeds family political and religious monsters. From all this, over time, the legend of the Leeds Devil was born. References to the Jersey Devil do not appear in newspapers or other printed material until the 20th century. The first major flap came in 1909. It is from these sightings that the popular image of the creature, bat-like wings, horse head, claws, and a general air of dragon, became standardized. But what about Mother Leeds? We talked about the Leeds family, but what about the matriarch that kind of started this whole thing? Well, according to popular folklore, the Jersey Devil originated with a Pine Barrens resident named Jane Leeds, also known as Mother Leeds. The legend states that Mother Leeds had 12 children, and after finding she was pregnant for the 13th time, cursed the child in frustration, crying that the child would be the devil. 
During 1735, Mother Leeds was in labor on a stormy night while her friends gathered around her. Born as a normal child, the 13th child changed to a creature with hooves, a goat's head, bat wings, and a forked tail. Growling and screaming, it beat everyone with its tail before flying up the chimney and heading into the pines. In some versions of the tale, Mother Leeds was supposedly a witch, and the child's father was the devil himself. Some versions of the legend also state that there was a subsequent attempt by a local clergyman to exorcise the creature from the Pine Barrens. Some other stories go as such. There is one that tells of a young Leeds Point girl who had fallen in love with a British soldier. The British had come to the region because the iron furnaces at Bat So were supplying the privateers. In 1778, the British engaged the Americans at the Battle of Chestnut Neck. The townsfolk opposed the match, calling her liaison an act of treason. They cursed the girl. According to the legend, when she later gave birth to a child, it became known as the Leeds Devil. There's another variation on that tale as well, and that tells of a young woman who encounters a passing gypsy begging for food. She was frightened and refused. The gypsy cursed her for her refusal. Years later, in 1850, the curse was forgotten when the girl gave birth to her first child, a male. He became a devil and fled into the woods. The old gypsy being the cause of the curse kind of rings true even today with movies like From Hell. Maybe there's some inspiration there. Another famous version goes as this. In October of 1830, a resident of Vienna, New Jersey, a Mr. John Vliet, was entertaining his children with a mask he had made, a mask of a monstrous face. It became a yearly tradition and was adopted by the local townsmen. Its popularity grew and was repeated late in October as parents and children alike put on scary faces or costumes. That sounds a little bit more like the origins to, say, Halloween or costume party traditions, but, you know, every story has its beginnings. And I don't want to judge, as any one of these could be the actual origins of this supposed creature. Now, naturally, there have been some reported encounters. In fact, there have been many claims of sightings and occurrences involving the Jersey Devil. According to legend, while visiting Hanover Mill Works to inspect the cannonballs being forged, Commodore Stephen de Couture sighted a flying creature and fired a cannonball directly upon it, to no effect. Joseph Bonaparte, elder brother of Napoleon, is also claimed to have seen the Jersey Devil while hunting on his Bordentown estate in 1820. During 1840, the Jersey Devil is blamed for several livestock killings. Similar attacks were reported during 1841, accompanied by tracks and screams. In Greenwich, during December of 1925, a local farmer shot at an unidentified animal as it attempted to steal his chickens, and then photographed the corpse. Afterwards, he claimed that none of the 100 people he showed could identify it. On July 27th, 1937, an unknown animal with red eyes was seen by residents of Downingtown, Pennsylvania, and it was compared to the Jersey Devil by a reporter for the Pennsylvania Bulletin of July 28th, 1937. In 1951, a group of Gibbstown, New Jersey boys claimed to have seen a monster matching the devil's description, and claims of a corpse matching the Jersey Devil's description arose in 1957. During 1960, tracks and noises heard near Mays Lake were claimed to be from the Jersey Devil. 
During the same year, the merchants around Camden offered a $10,000 reward for the capture of the devil, even offering to build a private zoo to house the creature if it was captured. Now those are all great examples of some sightings, but the biggest sightings came in the year 1909, specifically during the week of January 16th through the 23rd, and newspapers of the time published hundreds of claimed encounters with the Jersey Devil from all over the state. Among alleged encounters publicized that week were claims the creature attacked a trolley in Haddon Heights and a social club in Camden. Police in Camden and Bristol, Pennsylvania supposedly fired on the creature to no effect. Other reports initially concerned unidentified footprints in the snow, but soon sightings of the creature resembling the Jersey Devil were being reported throughout South New Jersey, as far away as Delaware and Western Maryland. The widespread newspaper coverage created fear throughout the Delaware Valley, prompting a number of schools to close and workers to stay home. Vigilante groups and groups of hunters roam the pines and countryside in search of the devil. During this period, it is rumored that the Philadelphia Zoo posted another $10,000 reward for the creature. The offer prompted a variety of hoaxes, including a kangaroo equipped with artificial bat wings and claws. Now, of course, there are skeptics. There's always skeptics, and you have to have a skeptic or two when dealing with these sort of topics. There's two sides to every coin, a yin and a yang. It just has to be. And many skeptics believe that the Jersey Devil to be nothing more than a creative manifestation of early English settlers, boogeyman stories created and told by the bored Pine Barrens residents as a form of children's entertainment. The byproduct of the historical local disdain for the Leeds family, the misidentification of known animals and rumors from negative perceptions of the local rural population of the Pine Barrens, known as the Pineys. All this kind of made the perfect storm to create something of legend and myth. Regardless of what you believe, there could very well be something in that massive stretch of land in southern New Jersey where the Jersey Devil roams. I know I've seen some pictures and I've seen some video of people supposedly capturing this thing on film or recordings or whatever you want to call it and they are spooky. They do kind of resemble the traditional wyvern looking bat thing with claws and a horse's head and all that sort of fun stuff. And you never know. Like Bigfoot, he could just be hiding out there. That's for us to find out though, isn't it? If you're ever in New Jersey and you take a trip through the Pine Barrens, be sure to keep an eye out and an ear out for something just not quite right. This has been the Ominous Origins Podcast. My name is Casey. If you enjoy what you heard today, then please feel free to leave a review. As you would have heard already, I do read every review I get on the podcast. So if you want to be heard, then feel free to drop a review. Preferably five stars, but I don't want to sway or suggest any way. I want you to be honest. Though, five stars are awesome. If you want to join the online community that we have, you can do so by going to Facebook and going to the Horror Shots page, as the Ominous Origins podcast is a Horror Shots production. So that is facebook.com slash horror shots. We have a YouTube page as well. It's in the description. It just pretty much reposts this podcast. So if you do want to you know, watch on there, or listen, feel free to do so. There's some other content as well, but it doesn't get updated as frequently as I would like, and I do apologize for that. I do have a Twitter as well, and that would be Horror Shots Prod, as in production, P-R-O-D. And if you want to support the podcast in any sort of financial way, you are more than welcome to do that as well. Every little bit counts, and everything goes right back into the podcast, be it updating software, hardware, whatever. 
And those sites are patreon.com slash horror shots, or you can find me on Redbubble and pick up some merch. Yeah, there's some merch on there. There's some t-shirts with the Omnis Origins logo, the Horror Shots logo, as well as some original things I've put together in Photoshop. If you like any of those designs, feel free to pick them up. There's t-shirts, there's all sorts of different things you can go on there. And that's on Redbubble. As at my current state, I find that to be the easiest place to host any sort of merchandising content. And I have bought a few things off of there myself, and I know the quality is pretty damn good. The link for that will be in the description as well. So, until next week.